You're listening to Music Mythology. My name is Sam Romo, and let's talk about some music. I've been using these cardioid, these audio technicas for half of my podcast, and it's been great. I've, I've really enjoyed them, um, but for an open space like this, they capture a li- little too much sometimes, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, you know. That's just how it is. Yeah, that's how it go. But I, I, I want to try out some different, um, different methods for different locations. Like I have a, um, obviously I have a handful of SM58s, and I just got a cloud lifter. Have you ever used those uh, before? Oh yeah. Uh, which is crazy. It just adds such a, a kick yeah. to the to the pickup, and um, want to use something like that maybe in a space like this, um, just so it doesn't pick up as much. And using a dynamic microphone maybe yeah. it would be a little little bit better. Yeah, just throw. A, you could throw. A, I don't know if Audition will let you put it, but it's a plug-in that you can actually put on there. It's called a Acoustic Room. Mm. It will analyze the room as the sound comes in and then squash what's back mm. there. I have to text it to you. I have it. I just I don't have to. I don't ever have to use it. Gotcha. Yeah, because she's got Rode Podcaster mics, so oh, that's yeah. all they do. Gotcha. Yeah, it's yeah pick up it, they don't. They just pick up what's there and everything outside is don't count. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And these are good too. It's just it's a little too much. Yeah. But yeah, the, and then the ever addiction to plugins. Oh <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got about four thousand of them. So. Oh wow, that yeah. was that was one of my questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's because as a or talking to other producers yeah. and, and and learning how to do obviously production myself and yeah. you, you get that you form that addiction. It, yeah. it will happen. Yes, sir. <laughs> Well, Mr. Mousequake, it's good to have you, sir. Thank you, man. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so, obviously, I got connected with you through Medrick. Uh, Mr. Greeley told me I had to talk to you. I had to meet, <laughs> I had to meet you. He told uh, you a lot of lies. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, uh, one thing that I will say that really drew me to Medrick is kind of a s- similar thing that drew me to you, which is how expressive and communicative you are mm-hmm. of what you're doing, where you come from what community you're you're all about and you're very consistent oh yeah i try to be and and for someone like me who i mean i I, i'm I'm passionate i have a lot of ideas of what i want to be and what i want to do i mean you need a mentor everybody needs a mentor Mm -hmm. and and social media has been a beautiful community for these types of experiences where you have someone that's very communicative and expressive and experienced and consistent and that's someone that if I don't have a mentor, I can lean on that in those weird times or in those in those uh, uh, um, casual moments when I want to just zone out. Yeah, man. Seeing people like you and Medrick just constantly working, talking about your trade, talking about wh- whatever joint you're working on, whatever. It just keeps me dialed in, you know? Yeah. So I, I just want to thank you. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. You know, I got a, a, a wife that keeps me straight and narrow, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. But, yeah, and I love your uh, the five minutes with Mousequake where you break down the tracks. Yeah. I, I've always been addicted to stuff like that anyways, but just the consistency, again, it's just it's awesome. It keeps me wanting to learn what what plugins did you use, yeah. <laughs> what, what samples were, was that, you know, what, just, just so much of the, because when it comes to music production, there's so many options. There's yeah. so many. I, f- I figured people would kind of um, gravitate to that because uh, a lot of times they don't understand 
what you actually do. Yeah. And, you know, and a lot of the music producers, they don't, you know, they just say, when I made this beat, not knowing that, <laughs> hey, came the engineer actually made your beat. Mm. Uh, the engineer crafted and carved a song into a song. So yeah. I figured they'd get a kick out of that. Yeah, man, it's, it's a lot of work. In Especially fact, all the little stuff I do that so unconventional that people mm. would just freak out. Like when I told them I, I wanted to have an artist um, sound like she was driving in a car talking on the phone. So I went outside and <laughs> did exactly that. Mm. <laughs> so see what it would sound like. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, that, and that's great. Cause it's good insight to the abnormal approaches too, where you might want to stick to whether you've been in school or you're uh, obsessed with the you know, online tutorials or whatever, experience speaks very loud oh, yeah, it does. <laughs> and so when you can reference you know a finished track and and show it it's just i don't know it's it's proven product you know yeah, yeah man it's a good thing yeah oh it's wonderful yeah. and like i said for people like me keeps me dialed in and then just i love it um so another thing i wanted to bring up because it's uh, like i said you also mentioned where you come from is i just wanted to talk about your start uh so you were in the air force Right. Yeah, I was actually in the Air Force for 20 years and one day. Okay, one day. Yeah, uh, so I could actually get the 20 years in and then get um, the one day and then I was out. Gotcha, there you go. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I joined the Air Force uh, four days out of college mm. in 1985. Okay. And then I just stayed because mm. uh, my uh, my environment was not healthy or conducive for growth. Mm. And at an early age, I saw that. And then I just got, I just decided from that point on that I wasn't going to stay. Yeah. Yeah. And then what made you tangent off into, or branch off into production? Well, into I was actually, yeah, I actually was in school band starting fifth grade. Oh, okay. Uh, I went from fifth grade to um, junior high. I played uh, drums in junior high. I was the first black kid in the, in the school's band in history. Wow. A hundred year history. Wow. What uh, school? Daniel Junior High in Columbus, Georgia. Okay. And um, I did that. And then uh, those two years, I went into uh, high school. I was in the, I was in a drum line and marching band and I was in concert band and I went from concert band to jazz band to marching band and that's all I did most so, of the time. I think you like music. Yeah, that's all I like. I knew I wanted to be a musician at about about third grade. Wow. I didn't have no other. Well, I played sports, but you know it was it was just to keep the hood the hood off of me if mm. you know what I'm saying. Right. But I, I wanted to be a musician from the jump. That's yeah. awesome. That's great because, you know, I, I come from a, a family of preachers. Um, no. Um, and, well, my father's a preacher and my, my mother did too, but she was really a worship leader. Mm -hmm. um, so music and expressive communication was always around. Yeah. Um, and so for me, I never, I never knew what I kind of wanted to do. And I always loved music uh, because it was everywhere. It was everywhere mm -hmm. all the time. And I didn't really interact with secular music until I was probably like 12 or 13. Oh, and then wow. when I started studying media tech or an audio video production work when I was in high school, that was my exposure to, I mean, like every genre. Oh uh, yeah. And, and I started to realize that, I don't know, I, I was drawn to it, but it was a lot of work. And, <laughs> and, and I had that weird, you know, I was young. So I had this weird idea of like, I'm in, I'm in this class that's kind of an elective. So it's kind of a, a hobby, you know? And again, I don't come from money. So to yeah. me, it's like, I didn't want to like struggle mm -hmm. to make my way to just pay the bills, you know? So like, 
I don't know, it was scary to yeah. keep it in mind as like, that's what I want to do. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm doing now because I'm, I'm older and now I can pay my bills the other way. Yeah, <laughs> but, that's true. But that's, that's amazing that you kept the, the drive and the, the passion for wanting to make music your, your yeah, life. Yeah, I, I, even when I was in the military, I, you know, my friends would tell you my dorm room only had enough room to put the bed in <laughs> because I had musical equipment everywhere in the room. Like, wow. I told a story one on, on Facebook couple week maybe two weeks ago that once um i went to a d'angelo concert while i was on a temporary duty assignment to nasa in houston mm. and i saw d'angelo playing a, an asr 10 keyboard mm. so the next day i took the government vehicle and went down to, on westheimer in houston and bought the keyboard with the government credit card <laughs> How stupid is that? Um, Did you but, get caught? No, I didn't get caught. I, and the crazy part is I had the money mm. uh, back in on base in, uh, in Abilene. I had the money, and I just didn't have it. So I said, oh, well, I'll just buy the keyboard, and then I'll pay the bill off. But then I had a chief master, so I just said, boy, you're going to get your <laughs> thrown out of here. Let me give you this money, pay this bill, and you give it back to me when we get back. So. Mm. Yeah. Wow, so that was the start. Yeah, that, no, that wasn't the start. That was just one stupid move. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you think that was maybe like a, a step up, though? Do you think that was like your start of taking it a little serious because well, you got well, risky? Well, I was already dead serious. I, I mean, when I got to, um, you know, when I, when I first got in the Air Force in the 80s, my first um, military assignment was Clark Air Base to Philippines. Mm. So, and... If you ever been over in Southeast Asia, they like music just like we like it. Oh, yeah. So I bought a lot of equipment there. I, I you oh, know, okay. I had got to be, um, I had got to be a regular at this one store in uh, Tokyo that mm. I w it was it was so regular that they would actually send me mail telling me when the new stuff was coming, <laughs> wow. so I could fly from from uh, Manila up to Japan <laughs> to pick it up and come back. Come by yourself. And then you know when I came back to the states and. Uh, I came back in 88, I think, and I was stationed in Oakland, mm. California. And right at the time when Oakland was blowing up with En Vogue, the Tony, 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 Tony MC mm. Hammer, yeah. and all them, and I just had a friend that was tied in with everybody. And uh, his name was Lamont Attaway. Mm. And uh, he took me all over the place to meet people. And then I got a really serious addiction to buying stuff because I could afford it. And I didn't have to worry about no bills because the Air Force paid my rent, my lights, my water, mm. and my phone. So I was good. And yeah. I got to, yeah, I took um, the crazy part is uh, I was having a, I wanted to buy stuff. I, I had been saving money for years. Mm. I had a nice little chunk of change. And I was not going to do it. And then I talked to my supervisor at the time. And he said, man, if that's what you want to do, get in the car and go get it. Mm. So... I got in the car, drove down to the first music store that I saw all the time, which was called Arts on East 14th Street in Oakland. Mm. And I spent about seven grand on equipment. I bought an eight-track reel-to-reel, a SP-1200 drum machine, and a Roland W30 keyboard. Now, here's a caveat to that. Mm. The person who sold me that stuff was this guy named Greg Jacobs. Greg Jacobs was Shock G. Oh wow! <laughs> From Digital Underground. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's who sold me my did stuff. Did you Did you know? I did not know. Uh, the funny thing is, I didn't know who he was or nothing. He was just cool dude with you know great knowledge of what I needed to do. <laughs> and then he said, "Well, hey, you meet me at this studio 
you know, on this night and I'll show you how to use the machine. He takes me up to the studio. I get there. He shows me how to use the machine. Another caveat. This loud guy comes in talking real loud. And uh, me and my friend Lamont were there with Greg because um, Lamont knew Greg already. Hmm. And the guy was Tupac. I didn't know who Tupac was. That's my first and only meeting of Tupac. Wow. I shook his hand, said, how'd you doing? And that was the end of that. When was this? In 1988. Wow. So, I mean, he was... He he, he he was still a dancer. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He was still a dancer for Digital Underground at the time. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. (laughs) That's nuts. Yeah, it is. It's really crazy. When the... Like, when did you realize or when did you figure that out? Yeah, about about five months later, <laughs> Lamont took me to another studio in San Francisco to meet um, Lundin Von Kendrick, mm. who's an acoustic composer. And uh, while we were in the studio, Lundin said, hey, man, listen to this song and tell me what you think. And he hits it, right? And it's Tupac singing where my homies call. That's when I knew he was Tupac. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's I when like, I knew. Oh, that's that guy. Oh, yeah, crap. that's that dude. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's nuts. Yeah, that's that dude. So what was the first, um, well, I'm, I'm torn because I, I, there's two questions I've been looking forward to asking okay. you. One, what's your favorite piece of equipment over the, your, your span of working? Uh, okay, uh, I can give you that one easy. Okay. My uh, Emu SP1200. Okay. I love that thing. Mm. Somebody stole it. It's a story behind that too, but I, I love that thing. Oh, man. You still have, you have, you replace it? N- n- nah, I couldn't replace it. They stopped making them. Oh, well. Now, if you try to buy one, it's $10,000, mm. Yeah, but I love that thing. I took it to a studio once to um, work on some stuff. We went to lunch, came back, my machine was gone. Somebody stole my machine. Wow. So I've been sick about that ever since. Goodness. <laughs> yeah. Just disappeared. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think it just disappeared. I mm. think it, it was just politely lifted out of there by somebody. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's an unfortunate thing about yeah. making music with uh, new people and yeah. crowds and stuff like that. So I never, I never leave anything now. I, mm. I, don't, I don't even leave a pencil. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got to protect your stuff. Yeah. It's your... I mean, you're only as good as your equipment oh, in some yeah. ways. So, yeah, man. <laughs> well, what was your first? Uh, what was your first major project, or what was the first project that made you have to coordinate all of your skills and all this technology that you had started to accumulate that you feel like really tested you? Um, hmm. Let's see. I've done a lot of them. Well, probably the most labor-intensive was the Long Live the Pimp project mm-hmm. for Pimp C. Which is which a which is a posthumous. Yeah, release. he wasn't here. That's why it was so uh, difficult yeah. because we had to, um, you know, get the verses correctly, get his get his, his stuff correctly, chop out frequencies to get it to sound like it was in 2015. Right, and then we had the tempo match everything to the music that was created to mm-hmm. it. So that kind of merged over the old school work with the new school technology. Yeah, that would have been interesting because. So yeah, because it would have been because that re- came out in fifteen, two thousand fifteen, yeah, yeah, and then he he passed in seven, seven, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it was a good amount of time. Yeah, it, it was it was tough. I think it took us about a year. Wow, to get it done. You know, we mixed the um, the three way freak record with Lil Wayne about fifty seven times. Whoa. Wow. Until we got it right. And then yeah. we used like mix number three or something <laughs> like that. Or something like that. Wow. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I imagine it would have been a lot of work because, yeah, there's less, I don't know, because did you have just like a vault of 
of some of his recordings. Yeah, that we you... had. I think we had about four terabytes of Pimp C stuff. Wow. And um, we four just uh, and we had. You know, I didn't really have to listen to him. Mr. Lee did all the listening, mm. but I got an education on how he was as a person. It was almost like he was sitting in there with us the whole time. Mm. Yeah, and the crazy part is a week before that, me and my wife were laying in the bed looking at Pimp C videos because she discovered him on, on the line. Mm. And we would just listen to him laughing. And the following week, they called me to work on that project. Whoa, wow, yeah. really? Yeah, Wow, man. what a coincidence. Was crazy. Yeah, That's it was crazy. crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because, I mean, they're Houston great. Oh, UGK. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that album has an all-star cast. Yeah, it does. I mean, everybody from Houston to, you know, New York, everybody. I mean, Nas is on it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that helped my resume a little bit, too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. First person, Nas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, so how did how did that come across your table? Well, um, I was at a... Uh, working at another place at the time and there was some friction going and I woke up and he's like, Hey, I'm coming over to get the keys to my office. And he brought all my stuff in two boxes, sat it in my driveway. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. I got a call. My, got my sons up. We brought it in the house. I got in the bed and went to sleep. But, um, at the time me and Lee were communicating all the time. Mm. And he happened to call me and say, Hey man, come up to the house. I asked him which house. He told me the one he had here. So I went up to the house, and we talked for about 45 minutes before we even discussed what he called me to come up there for. I hadn't seen him in a little while. Mm. And then he said, go ahead and hit the space bar on the thing up in the studio. I hit the space bar, and I stopped. Hey, man, this Pimp C? He's like, yeah, I need you to help me mix this album. Just like that. Wow. Got called in. Just like that. Wow. That's crazy. Yep. I mean, what's... Yeah, again, with that cast, like balancing all that, that's, I mean, I'm sure you were elated. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was. I mean, it took me, it took us forever to do it, but, you know, it, it helped me, um, it helped me, you know, branch out of some other stuff. And it also kind of exposed everybody to what I do. Mm. Normally, I would do it in, you know, engineers, they don't really care about us. They just, mm. you know, oh, well, he just hit the buttons to record or whatever. But it actually showed everybody what I did, not just here, but all over the world. Yeah. So now, you know, my clientele is from everywhere, except for here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> except for here, yeah. They don't, uh, I don't usually get a whole lot of clientele from here. Mm, the DFW but, area? Yeah, not here, but hmm. everywhere else, they, I get calls all the time. Hmm. Yeah. So, but, hey, yeah. more power to you. Yeah, and that's as how long it goes. as it's coming. Yeah, as long as it's coming in, my wife's happy. I'm good, too. <laughs> happy wife yes sir happy life <laughs> yes sir so um are there any other genres of music or any other music that you would want to work on at any point i mean or or really focus i've actually on? i've actually done all of them hmm. rock classical afro pop afro beat Hip-hop, jazz, blues, R&B. I've what, actually done them all. What classical and jazz stuff have well, you done? Well, I, I actually actually just did a jazz record with Jason Davis, sax mm. player from here. Um, and I mixed, uh, I did a song with Eric McNair featuring Drea from The Front Runner. She wrote mm. stuff for Logic, mm -hmm. the rapper Logic. Yeah. Um, 
I actually mixed five genres into one song. Mm. Uh, I have a symphony orchestra playing the strings in the song. I did some hip hop stuff, has blues in it and R&B and rap all in one. The oh, way wow. to sound. I'll have to let you hear it one yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Yeah. Now, you're talking about a lot of different instruments. Now, yeah. That's my other question. Yeah. There's there's your favorite piece of equipment I've heard, but do you have an instrument that you favor? The drums. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, cuz that's where you come from. That was that's your start, it. That's right? where I come from. Mm. Yeah. I like the piano too, but I'm not as proficient mm. as, you know, I I can't go out and gig with it. But sure. I can play whatever I need to play at the time. But if I had to go do gigs for a living, I can play drums, drums. all night long. Yeah. Hey, I love a drummer. Me too. My wife <laughs> says she likes drummers too. Oh, hey. So that's, that's why I'm winning. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, uh, one question I love, I love to ask guests is, do you have a favorite? Mm, let, me, let me word this better. Is there a favorite album? of yours that you you think is a little hidden something oh, yeah. that, something that's, that I've done well that you've or done somebody or else. someone else someone that you appreciate or of yours that's your favorite work of yours your well own. you know my favorite album period is songs of the key of life by Stevie, Stevie. Wonder oh, that is a that's my album. favorite album period um you know you could learn a whole lot just listen to that thing yeah yeah, you can learn about songwriting. You can learn about arrangement. You can learn about all kind of stuff. Now, if I was gonna listen, to, if I was gonna go um, like technical with one, it'd be um, Thriller. Mm. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, that's Thriller, the, like the um, highest fidelity yeah, album that's of all thriller. time. Thriller, and you know, <laughs> I um, I actually got to sit around Bruce Sweden and when I was in engineering school, mm. and he told me he didn't use any compression on that record. Ooh. And I was like, what? Yeah, it sounds so big. Oh, it's so, yeah. when everything was done in one first takes, right? Yeah, yeah well, was, uh, or, you know, he, no. Or he, first They take, mix but. one song like 80 some times. Mm. You know, and but then, the, but the, I guess the tape though that oh, they yeah, use, the, they yeah, only yeah you can record only, it no, once. You can, you can, rec you know, you can go back and punch on tape or whatever. Sure. But, those boys practiced before they got in there to play anything. Yeah. So it was maybe one or two takes and it was solid because they had been practicing it for weeks. Yeah. You know, that that's a caveat of uh, being a musician. Now you can just re-race it, punch it in or whatever. Sure, It yeah. don't mean nothing. So a lot of people don't practice hard like that. Right. But, but do I do have an album that I worked on as personal. It's, uh, I have It's called Love's Paradox, mm. where I get all my friends together. And we did an R&B album strictly about love. That's awesome. And um, Metric's playing on it, too. That's what I thought, because I think that's what he played, he showed me. Yeah, what, Metric's what playing work. on it, yeah. too. So, you know, I got in, and, you know, a lot of people, um, a lot of people listen to it and don't believe that it, we did it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because like, what? It sounds, this sound well, that's what I do for a living. Yeah, you know. <laughs> You're the magician. Huh? Uh, well, I hope so. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm probably going to release that sometime this year, though, okay. before the year's over. Because that one's a... Uh, it's on Bandcamp. Band yeah. That's what I was going to say. Okay. Yeah, but I had a couple of songs that are on there that um, other artists have on their albums. So oh, it was only respectful to let them put their albums out sure. before I released the, the, the album. And when did you do that one? Oh, man. Actually, I did it in 30 days, to be honest with you. Oh, wow. So I, I released it, what, in like June 
or July of 2020. Yeah. I put it on my band camp around about that time. But mm. yeah, I did the album in 30 days. Nice. Record, mix, mastered everything in 30 days. Artwork, you know, everything. Only thing we got outside was uh, uh, I'm So Focused um, Films did a documentary on it when we were doing oh, wow. one song. And that's on the band camp too. Oh, cool. But yeah, but outside of that, I did everything else. Now, you're saying that, that you worked on that last year and it was released last year. So was that kind of your pandemic project? Well, <laughs> I guess... <laughs> you know, I guess I don't know. I didn't slow down during the pandemic. Mm, I yeah. did, you know, I uh, I learned how to do graphics during the pandemic. You know, nice. You know, learn how to do a lot of other stuff other than just the music, so oh. I could make it easier for myself. Like, yeah. you can't always wait on people to do stuff. So I'm kind of antsy. Mm. So now, if I if I do a if I do a project, I'm probably gonna do the graphics and everything else nice. at the same time. Well, hey, when the world freezes, yeah. well, I don't think it freezes for a, a hustler. Unless you're in Texas. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's yeah. true. But when you're when you're already a natural hustler, I don't think you know things yeah, slowing down yeah. are gonna make you want to really adjust your tempo to that. Mm, you know, nah. you're like, no, I gotta keep it going. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I mean that's that's what this show came from. Like I've been I've been selling. I've been in marketing for the last like six years. That's what I went to school for. Mm -hmm. I originally went to school for audio video work. Just kind of got uninspired by some bad professors and just bad experiences. And like I said, didn't come from money. So I was kind of afraid of not getting a good job mm. and being able to do my own thing, you know, cause I would want to be independent like anybody would want to. And, uh, so I switched to marketing and, uh, graduated with that. And I've been, been doing that for the last six years, uh, here in downtown Dallas. And when everything slowed down, that's when I kind of, I mean, half our market, tanked you know because yeah. half our markets events for what i do and i had to adjust and i realized like i like i kind of mentioned before how i how i saw this work almost as elective almost as like yeah. it's nice but you know it's kind of a dream and uh i realized that it wasn't really that that it, it was it's it was something that needed to be practiced and if i could practice it and use you know my other social skills through marketing and all this stuff. Then I can actually do this. Like it would take time. Nothing's instant. Yeah. And especially anything Worth worthwhile. Having, yeah. yeah, is never immediate and easy. And uh, so yeah, that this November will be a year of me, you know, working oh, on the show. Man. Thank you, thank you. Uh, so I'm I'm excited for what this will turn into, and I, I just I've loved working on it because like what you just said, it. it it pushed me, you know, like I could pay someone to do the graphics. I could ask my buddy to help me or whatever, or I could just bite the bullet and watch, you know, a couple hours of YouTube tutorials. Yeah, and YouTube just, university. Yeah. And, and, and got my, uh, Google GED on the wall, you know, <laughs> uh, just, it, it's just, it, I don't know. I, I, I had to lean into these things that I, I just, I wish I could do naturally, you know, yeah. or just things that I, I, I don't want to just hand to someone. Cause if, if I do, I also want to understand the value of it. You know, like if I don't want to just pay you a certain amount of money and realize like, this is actually something I could do if I had 10 minutes of time yeah. and then start equating, you know, your funding and your, your time. And then, execute <laughs> we're gonna yeah. do it and practice and and i think you've made a post about this uh, yesterday or the day before get used to the rejection get used to being told yeah it's not good you gotta keep coming back yeah i mean you know when somebody tells you it's not good my first question is ask them what they don't like yeah and then when they tell me what they don't like i take a mental note and adjust and yeah i just move around i yeah. mean I don't, I don't get bit out of shape if you tell me no 
Mm. The only person I get bent out of shape telling me no is my wife. When I say, I want to eat this, no. <laughs> it's not good for you. <laughs> but, you know, but I don't get bent out of shape over uh, a lot of stuff. I mean, it's just anger is not a useful emotion. Mm. It actually just inhibits what you're trying to do. Just distracts you. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm too old for that. I'm I'm just happy, you know, you know, you know. My two daughters are getting married this year. One's getting married what next week, right? Oh, congrats. And, uh, my, and my other daughter's getting married in December. So, nice. you know, we living the life right now. All the kids are gone and grown. We did a mm-hmm. good job. Now it's time for us to hit the wind, you know. <laughs> so that's all. I'm just happy about that. Well, that's good. Well, and, I mean, as a producer as a, mm-hmm. or in an in a engineer, you, you, you have to endure a lot. Cause right, cause you have to listen to things over and over and over again. Yeah. So man. you have to have a high endurance for that, for that challenge. And so, I mean, socially, you also, I mean, have to have endurance in general. Like what you're just saying, if someone comes at you with adversity or, or neglectful commentary, you know, not or not even realizing how they're really talking to you, treating you, you know, just you have to figure out how you're going to approach it. And it's not worthwhile to be mad. Like I say this, I, I don't get mad. Most of the time I just get more focused. Like I'm not going to get angry at you. I'm just going to focus more on the problem. Yeah, being mad don't doesn't make anything better. It just actually yeah. slow. It's almost like, you know, there's a brick wall right there. Yeah. And you keep running into it because you're mad. I don't have time for that. Yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to move past that. You know, working with a lot of clients that really don't know what they want. Mm. They really think you're supposed to tell them what they want. Mm. And then when you do what you do, all of a sudden they have opinions. You know, it's, it's interesting. I always ask them, what's the plan? Mm. And if I don't get an answer about what's the plan, I know that I'm the plan. Mm. And I don't want to be the plan. <laughs> so I let them know early. Yeah, that's good. You got to yeah. kind of corral those types of characters, let yeah, them know man. what the rules are. <laughs> yeah, somebody posted the other day about... Uh, the five hundred dollar, the fifty dollar client, and the five thousand mm. dollar client. Well, the fifty dollar client has all these exacting standards, and the five thousand dollar client says, "Okay, we'll go with mixed B. Thank you for your great work." Mm. <laughs> and so I was like, "That may it's, it usually how it goes." Mm. You know, the they forget what they sought you out for. Yeah. You know, if you ran me down to get something done. You should already know all the stuff you're asking is not available. Or like why they want to work with you. Yeah. It's like, why did you call me? Right. I mean. Because that's, that's an interesting approach, too, as a, a creative person going to an engineer, going to someone structured is, uh, yeah. What, what do they expect of you? What do they expect of themselves? That's yeah. probably something they don't even know either. A lot of them <laughs> think you're really, as you say, the magician. I mean, mm. you, can't, you can't really... Um, you can't meet everybody's expectations. I learned sure. that early. Yeah. You, you just have to know that you got to do the best you can every time. Like I told one guy, I said, yeah, man, you know, I got to do this. I said, man, every time I do one, my reputation is on the line. Because mm. no, I can make 8,000 great decisions and make one bad one. Yeah. And it'll be over. Uh, especially nowadays. With yeah, it'll be the rate, over. With how fast information yeah, flies it'll be nowadays. Over. So I try to stay low key as I can and just do my job. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you do a great job. Thank you, man. I try. <laughs> well, do you have anything uh, new in the works or anything? Well, not really. I mean, 
you know, I'm working on some projects that I signed a lot of NDAs for. Sure. And, um, but you know, I'm branching out into movies. Oh, nice. Doing movies and, um, little things, you know, my five minutes with Mousequake thing is, uh, it's starting. Um, you know, I'm actually refining it as I go. Mm. And, you know, then and my wife has a podcast. She does Santana Be Everywhere where she interviews almost everybody that, you know, I work with or come around or that she meets. And she's got a whole lot of famous people. She's got interviews locked up with that nobody has heard because of the pandemic. We kept them under, mm. we kept them under wraps. Nice. And then she's doing, she's now she's branching into that, doing it in video format so you actually see him while she's talking to him nice. so that's cool so that's awesome. you know we, we got some things going you know we team it up cool she keeps me in line i keep her in line but <laughs> knowing me is her keeping me in line you know you know how that goes well that's awesome and yeah. uh, what is the name of the podcast santana be everywhere okay then yeah. check that out <laughs> yeah i think she just did lone star um, music last week. Oh, the magazine? Yeah, no, awesome. no, no. Or, no. Or, the uh, producer or, that produced oh, Eminem oh. and Dr. Dre. Oh, yeah. wow. Oh, crap. She just did him last week. Oh, wow. That's and that's awesome. the most I heard him talking my 10 years of knowing him. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I'll definitely check that out. Um, well, cool. That's yeah. awesome. Well, anything else? No, you know, just, you know, Check me out on uh, IG Live on 8 o'clock on Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, Five Minutes with Mousequake. I break down some of the songs that um, I mix and give a little insight and talk to the artists. And, you know, it says five minutes. I'm cutting it down. I've been getting a little bit longer than five minutes. I'm trying to get it down to about 15. 45 minutes. Yeah, it's been 45 <laughs> an hour, you know, but, you but know. Hey, sometimes there's robust yeah, tracks you got yeah, it, It's a good way to, you know, get artists scene and let artists and let people hear actually what you do to the song yeah the finished product and absolutely. how it gets there absolutely yeah yeah well, i'm working on metrics album too oh yeah oh yeah awesome. i'm doing a metrics album too so. meds yeah i mean i'm looking forward to it yeah it's, it's smoking yeah it's smoking man i'm so excited me too <laughs> well awesome brother well it's good meeting you i'm glad you came out thanks man yeah until next time all right Thank you for listening. For more episodes, visit our website, musicmythpodcast.com, and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Goodbye. <laughs>